so uh, let's open up with Nehemiah, and I'm going to read our text, and I want to pray, and then we'll take off. Rise up and build, and we'll come out of Nehemiah 2. This was my text, verses 17 and 18. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, that's the people of God, let us rise up and build. So they set their hands to this good work. You know, the story of Nehemiah is incredible because... Um, and and I, I'm not going to go through the whole story again, but, but Israel was to be a nation that was like set on a hill for all to see and all nations to glean from their relationship with God, their light. And that didn't happen. God brought them into the promised land. And instead of them being that light, that place of um, hope for all generations, they fell into sin, and the, and the nation was destroyed. And this is where Nehemiah is actually picking up. The, not only was the nation destroyed and the people of God taken into captivity, um, but the walls was broken down. And God's so good that even in the midst of what they had done, God restored them. Just like us, no matter the mistakes that we make, Jesus came, he died, he resurrected. And any mistakes that we make, he, he's forgiven us already um, but God always wants to restore. But inside of this context, God restores them to go back and build the temple. They go back and build the temple, and they hadn't rebuilt the walls, and the walls had been torn down for 127 years. It's crazy to think. And then the walls were actually rebuilt in just 52 days. That doesn't make any sense. Like, how in the world could something be left alone and destroyed for that long and people not come together and figure it out. Nehemiah didn't get a word from God. He didn't. There's nowhere in the scripture where it says, God said, I want you to go back and build the walls. And this is what we talked about in week one. Nehemiah just had faith. And this is what's so important. It was a matter of he had inside of him a culture of faith. And he saw a need. And he was like, well, this needs to be fixed. We need to do something about it. Isn't that an amazing thought? Like so many times we're trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. And God says, no, I, I just need you to sit here and just be connected to me. Work on your walk with me. Build that faith inside of me. And when you see something, just go take it on. Just take it on. So Nehemiah did this. And this is what we pick up in week two. And I just want to transition for time's sake. 52 days. Think, think in your mind like something that you would love to see removed out of Tampa that's bad. And it's been plaguing this city. And I would say God would say I'm big enough to remove it in 52 days or less. No matter what it is. The biggest obstacle in the city of Tampa, God says I could remove that in 52 days or less. I mean he did create a universe, right? By just speaking his word. I don't think that we believe like that, do we? I mean, we could look at all the craziness that we see inside of a city, and we can look at the stats, the metrics. We can look at all the things that look so bad, but we don't think sometimes that God could actually do that in that short a period of time. 
Amen? Me included. This story speaks to the fact that that's how God, that's how big God is. That something could be lying in waste in front of us for a hundred years. And God's looking for somebody to come along and say, it, it doesn't matter if we're saying it has to be done in 52 days. God's that big. It's just a matter of someone saying, I'm not going to put up with this no more. I'm going to do something about this. And what Nehemiah did was, Nehemiah had a strategy. Nehemiah had favor. And then that's where Nehemiah steps out. And Nehemiah begins to form everybody on the same page. That was one of the biggest things that Nehemiah did. And in chapter 3 of Nehemiah, he has everybody, listen, everybody is working on the wall. And if you read Nehemiah 3, it's talking about the bird family. They're working on one part of the wall. The Flores family are working on one part of the wall. <laughs> the Jones family's working on one part of the wall. All the different families are working on one part of the wall, but you see a unity that's happening, and they're working on the wall. And what lied in waste for 127 years, now all of a sudden, this wall is being built in 52 days. That's crazy, right? So guys, listen, what, what God is wanting us to do inside of a, of a local church, a local church, is God is wanting us to build something that's so much bigger than just people coming in and sitting in the seats. I, I want you to lean in. I want you to think for a minute. Listen, all right? Last night, my wife and myself, we watched this movie called The Sound of Freedom. Raise your hand if you've seen that movie, The Sound of Freedom. Almost everybody in this room has seen that movie. So raise your hands again. Raise it high for me. Sound of Freedom. If you haven't seen that movie, I challenge you to watch the movie. The movie is about trafficking children. As my wife and myself watched the movie, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, like, this, this is so bothering me. I was telling Paul, I mean, like, we're, like, we're, we're super quiet. We're watching this. And I'm like, I just, I want to go do something. In the movie, this guy, he risked everything. He risked his family. He risked his life. I mean, like, it's like, it's, it's the definitive picture of an apostle in the Bible risking their total life in the movie. And the thought that I had to my mind as I watched the movie, I'm like, this is what the local church is for. It is to build an environment where people can actually begin to see a challenge and they actually go do something about it. This is what we're building, not just to put people inside of seats. It's to build an environment to where people encounter God, faith is built inside of their hearts, and then from that they see something in the city and they're like, I'm not going to put up with that no more. And they will risk everything to, so that somebody is set free. In the movie, it was this little boy and this little girl. And the man freed the little boy, but he risked everything to go get that little girl. Man, it just messed my heart up. It so bothered me. And we have that in our city. It's okay to let it be heavy for a minute. And we have people inside of this congregation right now. Once a month that comes and goes out against human trafficking. Tim's here tonight and, and um, he, 
he fights against human trafficking. There's, there's different people that fight against it. But there's, there's, there's things inside of our city that's just not right. And church is not about just coming in and hearing a message. And even experiencing God. It's about coming inside of God's presence. And God actually begins to point you in a direction. To put feet in a direction. Action in a direction against something to what Jesus paid for. He paid for people to be free. What are some of the other examples? How many different people do we see inside of our community that we know that's not saved? How many different people? We have an entire demographic of Muslims. You see them everywhere. You see them at Walmart. If you go to Panera right here, Jesus died for them. He loves them just as much as he loves us. God doesn't love his child more than he loves that Muslim person. He loves them all the same. For God so loved the world that he died. But like, we're scared to tackle that. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, we don't know what to say, right? All of us, right? What about the Indian demographic? There's a whole demographic. There might be more Indian people here the Muslim people, what I'm saying is that most of them don't know Jesus. We know that. I've been to India multiple times. They, 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 they don't have the same God as we have. Now, some of them might be saved, but what I'm saying is that there are things in front of us right now. This is what we're trying to build. So everything that we begin to try to rise up and build and fight for right now, it is not just to a building. It's not just to have great music, a great environment. The reason why is because we want a place where God can meet us and then we leave and go do something. That is the reason. That is the why. That is the why of the local church. The church is confused. The church as a whole is more about a consumer mindset. We come, we feed, we leave, we go. Not COG. Amen? But that's, that's the local church. Well, the music's not that good. This is not that good. It's, it's very consumer-based. That's not what the local church is about. The local church is about an environment where people experience God, and the experience takes them out. To put their life at risk. It might not be your physical life, but it definitely is your reputation. It is definitely my selfishness that has to be put at risk. I have to sacrifice my time. I have to put something on the altar. And I recognize that inside of that encounter with the Lord. Like something's got to die here. And you already died, so it's got to be me. But other people can't continue to die. Otherwise, we're not really operating as the church. We're just really more of a, a group, a community, a, an organization. But we're not the church. The church is the ecclesia. That's the Greek word for the church. It's the ones who are called out. We act differently. We talk differently. We move differently. We walk like him. It's just different. Are you with me? And we need to have like, you know, moments of worship that's powerful and a powerful kids ministry. We need to have all that. But the goal, the why, 
is that everybody encounters God. And there's something that God does inside of that heart to where that person is actually moved, moved to go do something. Ronnie and a team of ladies go out into the clubs. The clubs. How comfortable would you feel doing that? Most people say, man, that's not, that's, that's not being Christian. <laughs> they go into the clubs. I'm talking about the clubs. You know, the clubs where the people are on poles and they go to those clubs to minister to ladies. And some of them might be making choices that that's their choices, but it don't matter. They're going out just to love on them and to bring freedom to their lives. And I know I talk to my wife about this all the time. She says she has met young girls in there, and she says it looks like they're in there against their will. Have you seen that too, Ronnie? Like we would be so, like we, 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 we and, and I'm not saying that we are, but I mean like sometimes it feels like we got our head in the sand. Because it's not our narrative. It's, it's not our life. It's, it's not even been our experience. Do you see what I'm saying? And the world is tough, man. It chews people up and spits them out. And God's looking for a people, man, that's just so wrapped around him. So wrapped around him. They're not that concerned about themselves. They're just not that concerned about themselves. And they're willing to risk all. Even if your target is just a person. Like in that movie, he saved the little boy. I was so upset at the dad at the beginning. Because he, he, he like, you know, let the little kids go inside the room and he came back. <laughs> I get into the movies. It's like, man, there's no way. But the little girl is the same age as my daughter. He saved the boy, and when they split the little boy and the little girl up, she had a necklace on, and she gave the necklace to the little boy, and it said, it was Timothy in Spanish, and the agent's name was Timothy, and he would not stop until he found that little girl. Like, that, that could just be a target that God gives you. It could be the person when you're getting your coffee and you always see the person at Panera and you know they're lost. It, you know, are y'all tracking with me? It could just start there. And you pray every day. And you, you know what I'm saying? Like you write it down and you pray every day. And you're, gonna, you're saying, I'm looking for the door, Lord. Show me the door. And you're being so intentional. I'm off script right now, but I'm inside of all of our hearts right now. This is what's most important. Not me finishing my message. It's so important that we understand why. Why we do what we do. All right? Like I said, I called you Tim Ted. I'm sorry. Ted. <laughs> I had Tim, the guy in the, the movies. Hey, I'm prophetically speaking about you from the movie. The dude's name was Tim. Sorry, Ted. This is the why, but guys, but you know what? Even as we move and we build, we can't lose sight of why we build. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's going to be times where we need God to strengthen us, but we have to remember why. 
Why are we doing what we're doing? This is why we're doing what we're doing. We're building an environment so that people can encounter the living God so that they can go after what the living God paid for on the cross. That's why. Amen. And we want to hold each other accountable to that. We all need to serve. We all need to roll our sleeves up. We all need to help. But we all need to be family and challenge each other that we're also going out, doing something out, even from the local church. Are y'all with me? That's what the vision statement says. God's family pursuing, pursuing, we're going after that which Jesus paid for. You guys good? That's what builds unity. That's what builds unity is understanding the why. Why we do what we do. Nehemiah did a great job with that. If there's no wall in those days, there's no protection. Let me say it another way. If we don't understand the why, why we're doing what we're doing, we don't have a wall built. But we're building a wall a lot bigger, a wall that can't be seen. And it's a wall sometimes around the family. It's a wall sometimes around your community. It's a wall around this city. It's a wall around those who are lost. But we're building that wall. That's why we do what we do. And listen, this is what Scripture says in Psalms 133. It says, when we come together and do this, God says, I'm releasing something special. There's an oil that's coming from the head, and it's getting on every single person. And he says, that's why I command the blessing. Let me say it another way. He says, that's why I put my hand. That's where we really begin to see a lot of movement happening from heaven. When there is a unity of heart. There's a unity of heart. That means all of us understand why we're doing what we're doing. God says, you begin to see my hand sitting upon you as an individual, upon your family, but also upon this church. And there begins to see, then you begin to see a supernatural breakthrough happening with the things that we're trying to, to accomplish. Amen? We want our hearts to be moved. You know, when it comes to hearing, like me teaching, you rarely retain that much by just me teaching. You retain more when there's more interaction. And the most is when actually you, you put it to motion. That's where most of the you retaining comes from inside of the kingdom. So we got to take this and we got to put it to action. Amen. So that God is building on the inside of us. Rise up and build. So we'll get to the challenging part now. <clears throat> so listen, any time that we do anything for the kingdom of God, any time that we do anything for the Lord, listen, this is what the scripture says. It says, don't think it's strange. Don't even think it's strange. When all of a sudden there is a fiery trial. Isn't that interesting? It's not a matter of God allowing it. He says when you go to begin to build something for my kingdom. There needs to be an understanding in advance. That there's going to be conflict. That there's going to be resistance. And there's going to be pressure. 
Jesus said it this way when he's teaching in Mark 4, and this was the key parable that he taught. He says, when the word is sown, when we do anything for the kingdom of God, he says, Satan comes immediately. When you begin to do something for the kingdom, God says, Satan comes immediately. So what we have to understand when it comes to building is you have to understand the conflict that happens, watch this, inwardly and externally. What we need to recognize is not focus on the devil, but how the devil actually challenges you. He don't challenge me how he challenges you because he has studied you. But what happens is that there becomes a war on the inside of you, and if that war is not resolved, then there will be conflict on the outside. That means there will be a break even in unity. If I don't resolve the conflict on the inside, then it's going to be hard for me to operate inside of a place of unity with others. Does that make sense? So when Nehemiah was building in chapter 4 and chapter 6, there was great conflict. Let's look and see what it says. Nehemiah 4, verse 7, it says, Now it happened when Sembalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Now, it's interesting. They're, they're beginning the work, and it tells you specifically what they were trying to do. They were trying to create confusion. Later in chapter 6, it says they were trying to bring fear to God's people. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Chapter 6 it's so funny because there's actually this, this place they call the Plain of Ono. <laughs> like, hey, come over here, meet me in the Plain of Ono. Isn't that funny? <laughs> like, uh, oh, no, 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 I'm not. But if you read the chapter, it actually says that they were, they were making up all of these conspiracies of treason. Then it went from there to actually death threats. And there was all of these lies that was being said to where people were being hired to come against Nehemiah. And it's very interesting. From chapter 4 all the way through, they set watchmen on the walls day and night. Now, they were actually going to work and fight if they had to. But listen to me. This is something. It is a clear picture of what happens when you try to build. Scripture says that we don't fight against flesh and blood. But sometimes the enemy uses flesh and blood. The enemy attacks within so that even we ourselves become a flesh and blood component to attack or retaliate, even with our brothers and sisters, when God's trying to do something. I mean, y'all with me? Y'all tracking? I, I want to pause for a minute, all right? I, I, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Listen, COG is in a transition, okay? It's so important to understand God is wanting to do something so incredible inside of your heart, even inside of a transition. It's not just about like us moving to mornings and building something. It's actually about what God's doing in your own personal heart. 
And the enemy would love to steal. He would love to move you off the square of what he's trying to do inside of your heart in this transition to prepare you so that he can show you what what you're actually going to fight for. Does that make sense? In my mind, I've recognized how the, how the enemy always comes against me. Every time I drive home, I'm heading home, there always becomes an old a scenario. So I'm driving, and I used to not catch it, and all of a sudden, the hamster's going, and I recognize where if someone did me wrong in the past or whatever, but something in the past... And he begins to actually play that in my mind. And if I don't catch it, now I've went down memory lane in a bad way. And I'm about to go home. But the goal is he wants me to go home heavy, frustrated, and to take that into my family. Every, all the time. The other time is when I'm heading to church on Sunday to this family. Without fail, I've recognized strategically how he comes against my mind. There's other things he does, but those two things, and it's always against family, whether it be my family at home or my family here, the enemy comes against the mind in those areas. You have to recognize how he comes against your mind because his goal is to make the family dysfunctional. God's plan will still come to pass. But God has planned for us to be right in the middle of it. And the only way that we're not in the middle of God's plan is when the enemy comes in and the enemy begins to break down us on the inside as far as how we see ourselves, how we see God, but how we see the people around us. And it begins to break down that fabric. So if I know in advance, don't I got a cheat sheet? If I know in advance. If I have a cheat sheet, should I not prepare? If I know this is going to happen, how do I prepare? Right? So it said that when this happened in Nehemiah 4, they set watchmen day and night. I think inside of this season, I think the step that God would love us to um, engage the most in is being a watchman, a day and night watchman. Let's look at it. It's in the book of Habakkuk. So Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, Habakkuk, Habakkuk. It says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. 
For the vision is yet for appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Two very, you know, repetitive scriptures that you see people talk about a lot is that write the vision scripture in there and the other scripture says the just shall live by faith. It's so key to understand the vision of God. I think the vision of God for us as a local church is understanding that why that we just talked about. Like we're trying to build a space for the Lord to encounter not just you, but everyone else that will come inside of this place and so that we can go out and make an impact inside of the community. Amen? The other component is, it actually says this four times in Scripture, the just shall live by faith. This is the first time it says it. The other piece is, is that um, God wants to actually protect that which he's put inside of us. He wants to protect the faith that he's placed inside of us. He wants to protect us from, like what you see in, in Nehemiah, the conspiracies, the fear, the different things that's coming against to hinder that place of faith. Because if it does, we won't do this. Look, we, we won't step out. When fear becomes into our heart and begins to contaminate the faith inside of our heart, and that mixture's in there, we become indecisive. We begin to doubt. We're not the right person. We begin to have all of these blanks instead of stepping out. And the vision is still there. God says, there's people that I want you to go. And I put faith inside of your heart. But the key part of this verse is the first part, which says, I will stand my watch. I will stand my watch. And that picture in the Old Testament is standing on a wall and looking out into the distance, peering off into the distance. Spiritually speaking, that is our prayer life with the Lord of always being before him to hear what he has to say. Prayer is not just me talking to God. It is a place where I just get before his presence. I even know how to be quiet sometimes and don't say anything. And I'm just postured in his presence, listening to see what he will say. But I believe in this season, what will guard our hearts against fear, what will guard our hearts with the vision that God is actually releasing in our hearts, the things that he wants to show us to conquer, Is this posture of prayer. It says, I set watchmen day and night. So the invitation that I believe that God is giving for all of us, the invitation is relational. Like I'm not going to sit here and tell you, hey, listen, you should, you should pray in the morning before you go to work and you should pray at night before you go to bed. That, that's, that's not me being relational. The relational component is I want to challenge you to go before God and hear the invitation yourself. Ask the Lord the question, what does it look like, Lord, for me to be a watchman? What does it look like? Ask yourself the question, 
Ask yourself, will I pay the price? Is that person over there that needs to be free, am I willing to pay the price for them? Because look what's on the line. Listen to what's on the line. My heart being protected, the vision of God being protected, the faith of God being protected, that's what's on the line for just like those two little kids being set free in that movie. Can I say it that way? Is that too heavy? Are y'all tracking with me? Like that's how big it is. And I think that's how God wants us to think. Like not just, you know, Pastor Howard asked me to pray. No. Like this is what's going to protect my heart for the vision of God. To build a local church, but also, listen, what am I going to tackle coming out of this local church? That vision as well as so that my faith is not contaminated or I'm not allowing fear to get inside of me. I'm not moved by conspiracies. I'm not moved by the different things that I hear. I'm only going to be moved by what he says. Scripture says I have to cast down every imagination, not just some. It says every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Every single day, every person in this room, you have conspiracies come against your mind. Who God is, who you are, about the people around you and what you're supposed to do. Every single day. That's just the blueprint of the enemy. He wants to confuse you about God, confuse you about you, confuse you about your neighbors. They don't like me. They don't think I'm enough. I'm not enough. All those things. And I will never be able to go do something great. Like this is an invitation from God to say, listen, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect that which is most valuable. I'm going to protect your heart. I'm going to protect the vision that I've established from the foundation of the world. And I'm going to protect your faith. Because I gave you my faith when I saved you. But he says, I'm giving you an invitation to be a watchman. You guys good? Let's stand.